Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mudiwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And, uh, you know, for today, we get into, you know, an interesting uh, discussion just around, you know, what's going on um, in the startup space. This is something that we, you know, tend to look at, you know, quite a bit, and particularly businesses um, that are raising funds. Uh, that's always, uh, you know, that's always uh, a great discussion to have uh you know particularly around um you know what's going on you know, firstly in the investment space but secondly um you know when we talk about uh, you know financial technology that's t- that has tended to be you know one of the big uh, focus areas when it comes to um investment you know when it comes to startups um on the continent and for today we're going to be talking to frank uh, they are a uh, local investment app and they recently had an eight million and uh, seed extension funding round, uh, you know, where they, you know, secured a number of uh, different um, investors, particularly for DX Ventures. And we're going to be having that discussion with them just around what is the business about, where do they hope to go? And in particular, you know, what is the problem or what is the market or solution uh, that they are bringing to the market? And to help us to, you know, make heads or tails, um, you know, of everything uh, that's going on, uh, we are joined by uh, Sebastian Patel as well as uh, Thomas Brennan, uh, who are going to be giving us some insight into you know what's going on. I'm going to start, um, you know, with uh, Thomas. Tell us a little bit about you know what the Frank platform is about. Sure, thanks, Madiwa. So Frank is really a simple savings and investment platform. We want to open up access to investing. Uh, and we've tried to make investing and remove all the barriers to investing. So what we identified in the market is that a lot of people save typically in their bank accounts, but very few people actually invest. And the challenges that people face are that there are high minimums imposed by your traditional sort of asset managers. Um, There's not a lot of return if people are saving with a bank. And typically either you have to lock your money away for a long, long time to get any reasonable return. And even then it's not very good. So to try and tackle those challenges, we uh, registered or became licensed as a robo-advisor to help people who are new to investing uh, figure out how much investment risk is right for them and then give them access with no minimums in place to what we believe to be the best sort of cash fund, uh, money market fund in the market and a simple index tracking ETF. So a combination of simple cash and equity depending on what somebody's investment goal is, uh, we provide that entire service through an easy-to-use mobile application. All right, cool. No, no, thank you so much uh, for that, Thomas. Uh, Sebastian, I'm going to bring you in here. Uh, Sebastian is the company's uh, COO. Um, walk us through, you know, let's say I'm someone who wants to get onto the uh, the, the Frank platform um, and uh, I've got money, you know, five, ten thousand rand, whatever it is. And I say that, OK, fine. Uh, I want to, you know, perhaps do a little more uh, with my money than getting maybe 0.5 percent from my bank uh, or whatever. So I come onto the platform, walk me through, you know, I guess the steps of actually getting onto the platform and then maybe some of the options that are available to me once I'm on the platform and how easy it is, um, you know, maybe not how easy it is, but just the, the actual steps involved to actually get started. Sure. 
So, I mean, like Tom said, it's an application. So, you know, you download it, you give us your, your information. So, you know, your registration details. And then after that, you know, we try to make it as simple as possible. So it's all goal-based. So you've got this money uh, that you want to start investing. We'll ask you, you know, was it, what is it for? Is it for, you know, uh, your retirement? Is it for your child's education? Is it for a house deposit? Is it for holiday? Um, and then, you know, we'll ask you what your time horizon is for that uh, specific goal, uh, which then will influence, you know, how we uh, provide you the advice into like what we suggest uh, you, you invest in. Because as Tom said, we are a robo-advisor. So if you go through our, our risk assessment, uh, you know, we'll ask you certain questions just to like determine a risk profile for you. Um, you know, uh, like, so we'll ask you age, income, expenses, savings, debt, etc. Uh, and then using that information, we'll say, okay, uh, based on your risk profile and your time horizon, we suggest that, you know, you should be putting half your money into the equity fund and half into, into the cash fund. Uh, you know, the younger you are, the more you earn, the more you have in savings, that means the more risk you can take on. So that will push you more to the equity fund. The older you are, the less you earn, you know, the more debt you have, will will push you more into the money market fund, which is a safer, lower risk. Uh, alternative. That being said, you know, if you've got a short-term horizon and like for the holiday, for example, where you want to save a specific amount in 12 months or 15 months or whatever it is, then we'll push you towards the cash fund just because, you know, you shouldn't be taking, uh, you shouldn't be putting your money in volatile investments over such a short uh, time horizon. And yeah, so you, once, once you've, once you've figured out how you want to invest between the two funds, um, you can even make a deposit in the app. Uh, so we've got an instant EFT option through our partner Stitch. So you can, you know, uh, seamlessly make a uh, link your bank account, um, you know, to, to our app, make a deposit and, and you're done, you know. So in a few minutes without lots of uh, fuss and paperwork, anything like that, you can, you know, you can become an investor. We also have the ability, uh, the KYC is all done through the app. So, you know, you don't need to, uh, you know, everything can be done off the app. You don't need to go offline or anything. Um, just maybe as a follow-up, Sebastian, you know, to that, um, I think with everything that you just described, two, two things, you know, come to mind. Um, the first one is um, because you guys, you know, started out as a robo-advisor, that piece, right? Um, someone might then ask themselves, um, are you guys simply, you know, um, advising me on how to maybe save and invest my money, right? That's the first piece. And then the second piece um, you guys, you do talk about, you know, the fact that there are funds, uh, you know, that are, you know, that are involved. So how does uh, Frank differ from, um, let's say, your your traditional asset managers, right? You give us, uh, you know, uh, uh, some money and then we'll go and help you to grow, you know, that money. And I'm asking these two questions. They seem in conflict with each other, but I'm just anticipating that these are some of the things that, you know, someone listening might actually be wondering about. Yeah, so we do, you know, we do pro provide that advice layer, but it's up to the individual whether they want to follow our suggestion or not. So you can come onto the app you know, complete the risk assessment. We'll advise you. And listen, you know, it's fifty percent cash, fifty percent equity. But you'll, you can say, listen, uh, I actually want to go a bit safer and put all my money into the cash product, or I want to take more risk and put all my money into the equity product. So we can only provide the advice as a, as a guide. You know, the individual can eventually do whatever they they want to do. 
Um, and yes, so we are we are just providing access to these funds. Uh, so you know, we're connecting people to these high quality uh, funds. They can potentially access these products themselves. But as Tom mentioned, often the barriers that stop people from starting to invest are twofold. One is uh, some platforms have got high minimum investment amounts. So unless you've got 50,000 rand, potentially you can't access uh, the Alan Gray Money Market Fund. Uh, whereas on our on our uh, platform, you can access it with, with 100 rand, for example. Um, and also some platforms can be quite complicated to navigate for first-time investors. You know, you've got a number of unit trusts or a number of uh, ETFs or a number of stocks that can intimidate novice investors. So that's why we've sort of like distilled the investment universe down into these two products, which we think are uh, enough of a building block for first-time investors to to get going. And even in you know some investors that are not maybe that novice, but you know uh, we think that those two products are are good enough for many investors. All right, I think if I can. Add, yep. Sorry, Madhuri, just one thing to add on to that. And it's around the advisory piece. You know, we were the first licensed robo-advisor in the country. And so really it, it is um, a point of departure from the traditional way in which investment advice has been provided, which is through, you know, financial advisors. And as you may know, you know, very often those financial advisors are influenced by the commission that they are paid by the products that they sell. So there's sometimes a conflict of interest because they tend to push products that are more expensive, i.e. that pay them higher commission to their clients, which is problematic uh, in one instance. The other problem is they also tend to service customers that are paying them more. So there's been a, an inherent skew in the market towards people who are, you know, have high income and high net worth, which has largely left out the vast majority of South Africans from actually getting access to these advisory services. So obviously now through a mobile app and a digital platform, it allows anybody to go to the app store, you know, they've got a phone, they can download the app, they can get this advice where previously, you know, they probably wouldn't be able to get the attention of a financial advisor who wouldn't have interest in them or would probably try to sell them products that are inappropriate for them. So it's really about democratizing access to high quality products uh, you know, for the mass market. Uh, maybe as a as a follow up to what you've just said, Thomas. Um, you know, when you talk to people in the financial in the financial advice, you know, sector financial services, uh, they tend to advocate. Um, you know, perhaps selfishly because that's how their business models are built. Uh, but they tend to advocate. You know that. Uh, in person, that face-to-face, -face, that human interaction when it comes to talking about money, uh, savings, and investments, because um, that tends to be a very sensitive subject uh, for a lot of people out there. And, you know, they would argue uh, that you need that, you know, that human touch um, when it goes there. So how do you reconcile you know, some of those, um, you know, some of those, I won't call them fears, uh, but more the concerns. That's the first thing. And then secondly, how have you built the technology to be able to interact um, with people? I come onto the platform and, you know, because it is a, a robo-advisor, how are you guys feeding the platform in such a way that it can, um, I guess, grapple, 
you know with uh, some of the some of the needs um you know in south africa because south africa is one of those economies that's unfortunately it's not monolithic you know, not everyone is poor not everyone is rich you have um you know you have that tension of the requirements of your typical retail investors yeah i think it's a great question and i think one thing just to start is to acknowledge the impact that mobile technology is having and technology more broadly you know previously people would say you know you need to be able to talk have a human touch when you buy a car but now you know people are buying a car digitally online and that's case for a whole host of you know sectors of retail so and covid actually has compounded this uh impact at least and we felt that on our business initially is because you no longer could have a, fun, a human relationship with an advisor all of a sudden you now have to start having a digital engagement when it came to managing your money so there's definitely been a trend in that regard where people are feeling more comfortable about making a decision how we then went about that is really to empower the individual with knowledge and with tools that can help them make a good decision so you know as said mentioned because it's simply goal based it really is okay if you have a target in mind like your kids education for example you know you know that you're probably going to need about whatever 200,000 rand to send your child to university in like you know 10 years time we can help you work back from that and to figure out okay well how much should you be investing so it's a tool that's easy to access and easy to understand but helps the person and know how much they should be investing similarly we are fully transparent so you can drill down into the detail about okay you know what is the allen gray money market fund how does it actually work what returns can i expect um and to be fully transparent about our fees which again is something in the advisory space because of that conflict of interest very often the fees is an area of opaqueness largely because it benefits the advisors in in how they earn their commission so we just charge a 1% all in uh fee uh so that we share that with the underlying fund manager so the only fee that an individual is exposed to is basically you know 1 rand for every 100 rand invested over a period of a year and um that 1% does it apply to any gains you know over time or is it simply on the amount of money that I'm putting into the platform yeah so it will apply to to gains because uh, as you can imagine the the fee is like accrued on a on a daily basis so if you're 100 rand tomorrow is worth 110 rand we would charge it on 110 similarly if it was 90 rand we'd, we'd also only charge it on the 90 rand so it's on gains and a potential losses if that makes sense um to to add to what tom's saying we also charge some transaction fees uh you know we are you know positioning ourselves as a long term investment platform but we have seen previously that some of our customers make very frequent withdrawals which is a burden on our operations uh and it's costly for us so we've started to implement um withdrawal fees and transfer fees uh, above certain like free limits uh you know to distance distance enterprise to to frequent withdrawals okay makes sense makes sense sorry thomas uh, i think i cut you off earlier on no i was just you know thinking your your question was you know had had many factors within it uh, so i just <laughs> want to make sure i touched on all of them i think the one thing that you know i unfortunately just the market is very skewed so as you said you know there is this you know south africa is not a monolithic market you know but the problem is at the moment about 5% of south africans invest which is for me problematic 
because largely, you know, 95% of the population is excluded from, you know, the investment marketplace. And the consequence is that many people are effectively losing the value of their savings over time because it's being kept in cash or kept in a bank savings account where they're not earning interest, which is, you know, greater than inflation. And they are carrying a burden that I don't believe they should uh, be forced to carry. So it's just because they don't have enough money maybe to satisfy the minimum requirements of an asset manager or, you know, they don't have enough money to attract a financial advisor to come and give them that sort of human touch advice. The technology can play a role in lowering that cost point and providing kind of broad access to, we believe and we stand by, you know, high quality investment products. We, we don't want to overload a person with, you know, giving them access to every stock uh, available on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. It's saying like actually a simple combination of, you know, cash and equity can work for the vast majority of the population. There will always be people that want to try and optimize and, you know, try beat the market. But, you know, even Warren Buffett has said that, you know, for 85% of the population, a simple combination of low cost index tracking ETFs and a bit of cash will work for the vast majority of people. And that's really the philosophy that we've adopted and what we want to provide access to. Now, listen, I, I, I completely, I'm with, I'm on board, you know, with, uh, with the mission and, you know, what it is that you guys are trying to do. The question um, is, are you an investor yet? <laughs> and I was actually going to say that uh, a couple of years ago, you know, because I've been interested in the world of, uh, you know, investing and uh, uh, the economy for a number of years, I consider myself as uh, still being part of the youth. And a couple of years ago, when I was still at Rhodes University, University. I remember, uh, you know, I was very interested in ETFs and getting in, involved in the market, etc. And I remember registering, you know, one of those share trading accounts with one of the, I'm not going to call them out, but it was one of the, you know, traditional financial institutions. Um, at the time, you know, they were charging 120 rand uh, per, you know, per transaction as a brokerage fee at the time, you know, so you can imagine that for a student, uh, you know, the costs, um, you know, uh, they tallied quite quickly. And by the time that I left um, university, um, as much as my portfolio had grown, um, it was outweighed by fees, you know, um, that had accumulated um, on the account. So I, I, I understand, you know, where, where the mission, uh, where the mission is and what you guys are doing. And um, for me, it uh, the question, uh, this one, I'm going to lend it to uh, Sebastian, because he's the one who was talking about costs just now, um, to say, what, what, what does your cost structure look like? You're right. Um, do you guys have to sit there and um, take on any what you call this any float in terms of capital? Do you have to have money on hand? You were talking about withdrawals, etc., and the fact that uh, you know how you, how you you spoke quite in detail about your fee structure. You know earlier on, how is it that you guys are able to offer um, you know that uh, cost-effective service to you know consumers? You know because I can imagine that. I'm probably not the only person who has found uh, themselves in the situation that I was in. Yeah, I think you know we're leveraging a lot of uh, technology that a lot you know some of the older uh, incumbents didn't have access or don't have access to. You know, a lot of them have got expensive legacy systems, uh, 
and they also you know have got the costs of a lot of people call centers etc cetera, etc cetera, where we are trying to effectively deal with uh, as many things as possible through through technology um you also one major thing to, to keep in mind is that we are not a product you know we don't create the products uh where a lot of the other providers do create products um which also has a very high uh, cost base so we we just providing that sort of like connection between people and the high quality products which you know at scale can be done uh quite efficiently um but yeah so our, in terms of our cost structure um you know we we've got staff uh, which is by far our biggest uh, biggest cost uh, our marketing spend and the technology spend is actually quite low because you know we leverage off a lot of uh, open source uh, free, so effectively free free tech okay and i think uh, all of that then lends itself to you know the next piece we spoke at the beginning about the fact that you guys you know have had the seed extension um you know journey um so you know tied to what sebastian has just said about the way that your your cost structure is you know um is based at the moment um Please walk us through what your funding journey has been like so far and whatever money you guys have raised or are currently raising, what does that actually, you know, go into, you know, because when it comes to a lot of these platforms, um, I think the, the, the people over in the in the world of NFTs um, have been getting into a lot of trouble, you know, when it comes to your custodial wallets and all of that stuff. How do you fund these things? Um, you know, so, you know, talk to us about that. I mean, we bootstrapped for the first uh, year or so. Um, you know, so Tom, myself, some other team members put in put in cash. We started, uh, you know, paying for salaries. So a lot of the a lot of the early work was done just off the back of sort of sweat equity. Uh, then we started hiring uh, staff, and you know, they obviously needed to get paid. So the, the money came from from within the team. Um, then we started raising uh, our first sort of external uh, round of funding. And then a few months into that process, uh, COVID hit, which you know uh, made it made it more difficult to 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 raise funding. But we we managed to raise enough to sort of you know uh, keep us going for a while. And then um, at the beginning of this year, we finalized our last uh, the seed extension round, which you uh, which you mentioned. Um, that's where we got 40x on as a as a as a lead investor. So that gave us you know uh, some runway. We'll probably come come back and look to raise a bit more cash um sort of at the end of this year maybe beginning beginning of next year and you you know you mentioned profitability uh you know for a platform like this which requires a lot of scale uh you know break break even takes takes quite a while and i think that's the same with other investment platforms like us locally and across the world you know they've taken a long time even if they've a lot of them haven't even got there yet uh because it's you know you need to balance trying to get to break even versus uh growing very quickly you know and growing requires spending in product in uh, marketing in people etc uh, so that's you know from our point of view that's the balancing act you know to to grow fast enough but also not to be too reckless with uh with our sort of spend on on growth in terms of the, um just to answer one of your previous questions we uh we don't require sort of any sort of investor flow to anything uh, like that some some fsps depending on what license you have need to have like a certain amount of money in the in the bank uh to, to as part of their sort of like licensing requirements we we don't need that um 
and in terms of yeah, how we've solved for like the minimum investing is just leveraging off of the of the technology and a certain way that we run our, our processes that that make it easier for us to do it. All right, cool. Are you are you comfortable to share just how much uh, Frank has been able to raise so far? So yeah, it's, it's public. So the first round that we that we raised was three hundred thousand dollars, and then the seed extension was five hundred. So a total external external funding is just around about $800,000. Okay, cool. Um, very interesting in terms of, you know, how you guys have gone about, um, you know, particularly the efficiency piece, um, you know, leveraging the technology. I think um, we sometimes don't take into taking uh, take cognizance of just how much uh, the human element um, actually feeds into you know the cost base of a lot of services uh, that are delivered out there um, into the market. Um, Thomas, I believe you were going to say something about uh, you know the engineering piece of things. Sure, and I think it comes to that you know that human piece, that cost piece is actually a lot of that is going towards the engineers. So although the technology that we are using is open source technology, it's re- required you know competent and skilled engineers to build it out. So we're leveraging, you know, cloud-based platforms like AWS and Google, you know, cloud services. But the engineers have basically built our uh, built our platform, which obviously has backend components and a mobile application that speaks to that backend, managing the flows of money, uh, ledgers effectively to make sure that you know the account balances that people can see in their portfolio uh, are accurate and reconciled on a daily basis. So. That entire ecosystem has been built by our engineers. We're not using sort of any third party in that regard. Um, and where the seed extension money is using is really to empower that engineering team to go to the next level. And they, we really have sort of two big ambitions this year. The first is now that we've built the capacity to allow for a sort of a no minimum investment amount, uh, which people can access through our mobile application, we now are exposing that API, so that sort of um, interface layer to third parties. So any companies or platforms out there that would like to offer their clients the ability to save and invest through their platform, we can offer them a sort of a savings and investment wallet powered by Frank, if you will. Um, And they can do that with very little friction. Uh, And as we've touched on a little bit earlier, I think especially when it comes to investing, there has previously been so much friction to investing, whether that's you know friction of money because you don't have enough to meet the minimum requirements, or it's a financial literacy you know barrier that has stopped people from accessing. So we hope now we can unlock with simply pushing a single button, where you know there's money that is sitting dormant, not doing anything. You can effectively deploy that money, and we can provide the backend infrastructure through which that money will flow into an investment or savings wallet, whichever is appropriate you know, for, for that user. The other key area is, um, you know, I, I did a classic engineering thing. You, know, I, you kind of built the first version of the app and assumed that you know, if you build it, people will come. But the problem is saving and investing, and especially you know, the long-term goal-based commitment uh, you know, platform and product that we offer, I think of it very much like taking your vitamins. You know, everyone should do it. But, you know, people often don't. People are more attracted to kind of, you know, going to the casino, you know, playing the stock market or, you know, buying crypto, hoping that they can double their money, for example. So what we want to see is, can we make saving and investing something that is fun and engaging? Uh, So we're building now a sort of a gamification engine to really try and encourage people to 
kind of stick to their commitments uh, and achieve the investment goals that they've set out to achieve. Uh, and it's really borrowing from a lot of sort of literature out there that knows that people respond to, you know, variable rewards. So if you make a deposit, play the game, succeed at the game, you can possibly double your deposit. That's a sort of, you know, thinking uh, around uh, what we are building at the moment. Um, and we, you know, excited when we do come to launch that hopefully in a, a month or two time to, yeah, have another conversation about how we think we can really leverage that gamification to help people who are new to invest and really stick to their, their goals. Yeah, the gamification piece, uh, you know, uh, it's it's quite, uh, it's uh, I think it's quite an indictment on uh, the state of financial literacy um, in our broader society. You know, the fact that um, we have to use tools like gamification uh, to try and encourage people uh, to do some of these things. But um, the South African economy is notorious for being a uh, a what you call this an economy of spenders as opposed to savers. You know. So it does it does make sense uh, from that point of view. But at the same time, a lot of people yeah, often think that this stuff is either complicated, they think this stuff is boring, uh, they think this stuff is, uh, they're not smart enough, um, you know, to understand all of this stuff. So um, it certainly does make sense from that end. Um, so as we are coming to the close of this conversation, gentlemen, um, you know, Thomas, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, you spoke just now, just around um the engineering thing that you did uh, to say that, uh, you know, you built it and you sort of expect people to come. Um, have people come? You know, what does, uh, what has the reception looked like? Um, you know, whatever you're able to share uh, just around uh, users, user base and all of that. Sure. So users have come and it's obviously growing off a small base. You know, you're starting from, from nothing. But over the past, you know, two and a half years that we've sort of been out publicly in the market, we've grown steadily at about sort of three to 400% per year, which is great, you know, for any startup company to be able to kind of post those numbers. We obviously have a long way to go. As Seb mentioned earlier, you know, we are a platform that does require scale. So we need to be able to keep up that sort of three to 500% year on year growth for, you know, definitely the next few years. And that's where we have to start thinking very creatively around you know gamification adding on these other layers that you know as mentioned you know turn taking vitamins into something that's a little bit more tasty you know so putting a sugar coating on the vitamin if you will um you know from what you can see because i'm pretty sure you guys have a lot of data on hand etc and uh, with the frank business uh, type of solution that you guys are now offering that uh, you know thomas was talking about just now um how do you see the market developing you know, in terms of uh, driving that user growth. Uh, do you think it's purely going to be a consumer play? Um, or do you sort of see um, that aspect of businesses encouraging people to say, guys, this is, you can, you can get onto some of these platforms and save and invest um, as a push, you know, because you do need that push. Uh, we're talking about things like gamification. Um, you're now bringing in, you know, your businesses such as your employers as a way to push their employees to say, guys, you can save and invest. How do you see that um, conversation developing over time? I think it'll be both. I think we always knew it was going to be, it was going to be both, but at the end of the day, both strategies are, uh, our consumer products, uh, you know, the one is just directly, the other one is via another platform or, or intermediary. And I think three years ago, when we when we started a lot of the 
work that we had to do was in terms of holding the brand often don't have a lot of trust for new products uh, especially financial services products so we had to you know uh, put in the work to to build a brand i think that's still an ongoing thing but it is better than in what it was so consumers you know have understood that we've been around for a few years and willing to you know try the product you know we get extra credibility from coming through other platforms like businesses um but then the intent is maybe maybe not there um so yeah it'll be both but i think the you know the partnerships uh the api that we have at the moment is exciting for us because it's something new and as tom mentioned there's so many so many things that people are buying and interacting with digitally at the moment so there's lots of money flowing through digital platforms lots of wallets out there and you know the the gap for us is that many of these wallets are not earning any sort of return which is where we can help both the uh both the consumer and the uh and the platform you know to try and get them to uh, for their business to be stickier all right so that's been it you know very fascinating discussion we were talking to uh thomas brennan who is the ceo of frank uh together with sebastian patel who is the coo of frank which is a saving and investment uh, platform a very fascinating discussion just around the state of uh, savings and investments in south africa you know very dire when you hear that you know just uh, roughly five percent of the population is actually um involved um in um, you know what you know some people would see as being one of the more liquid uh, you know markets on the continent in terms of uh, you know financial services in terms of investments um, you know very mature markets that are offered in South Africa uh, but to hear uh, that uh, you know about you know such a small um, percentage of the population actually are playing the game actually uh, are involved um, you know it's quite a, you know big indictment and all of it feeds into all of the you know macroeconomic uh, situations the pressure uh, that consumers uh, feel at the moment um, you might you might see it um, on the short term as being you know should i really be saving my money if i need to be putting food on the table uh, but also at the same time just getting into discussions just around um, you know how do you encourage people to get in um, and actually make their money grow as opposed to um, you know as opposed to what we see um, you know going on and uh, increasing the levels of indebtedness and all of that. How do you make uh, that money grow? So that's been it. Thank you so much to the gentleman. Uh, a pleasure. Thanks for having us, Madhu. It's great to uh, to have these conversations. And they, I really believe it's very important. You know, we need to change change the way people perceive what they can do with their money in, in South Africa. Um, it's a critical issue. This is Mudiwa's take. Great discussion just around, uh, you know, saving and investment. It's great to see that people are trying to use, um, you know, technology for some of these things. Uh, but on a more practical level, right, uh, this uh, sort of speaks to um, just how big uh, the human element can be, you know, when it comes to the costs of some of the services, you know, that people are consuming. And um, it, it's it's one of those toss-ups, right? Because on the one hand, um, we often hear the fear that some people have, you know, that the machines are trying, are, are coming to take our jobs, etc. But uh, on the other side of that same equation, um, you've got companies that are able to offer services um, that have typically been out of um, out of reach 
because of some of those higher cost bases. Um, so it is a toss up. And then, you know, going forward, um, it does seem that a lot of people are going, you know, in this direction. Um, you know, on the whole, if we can get more and more people to save and invest um that's likely to have a a a, a good um a good uh, effect um you know on the on the economy and just the state of things uh, particularly for you know consumers um it's really good to get in there a lot of people often pay you know high fees just to have their money managed uh, but if you can get some of these low uh, low cost options and actually maybe do it for yourself uh, that might actually go a long way in helping more people to build up uh, some of that wealth going forward. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.